With all the changes of health care coming as a result of the Affordable Care Act, do you really understand what your benefits are? Joining us today is Chad Schneider, National Co-Chair of the National Association of Health Underwriters Vanguard Council and Voluntary Benefits Chairperson for the National Association of Health Underwriters Legislative Council to talk about some of the key findings in the AFLAC Open Enrollment Survey which says that 41% of employees spend 15 minutes or less understanding their benefit options in the 2013 open enrollment season. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to today's talk because we talked a little bit before we started the interview. I've seen the surveys out there that talk about people spend more time planning for a vacation than they do their retirement, which might last today 30 or 40 years. You work with the company Aflac that did a survey recently that said people spend less than 15 minutes determining their benefit selection. And I got to tell you, when I read that survey, I was kind of taken aback. I thought people might spend a little bit more time. But talk about that survey a little bit and what they learned. Sure. AFLAC, four years ago, had commissioned a very large benefit survey. We call it the AFLAC Workforce Report. We are now on the fourth annual survey that we put out there. One of the nice things about it, it is done by a third-party research company called Research Now, a very large data collection company. The real nice part about this is it's one of the largest sample sizes of any benefit survey out there. There's tons of surveys out there about what's trending and how things are happening, but this is actually one of the larger. So it has about 5,200 employees, about 1,800 business decision makers, and about 314 benefit brokers across the sample size. So you really get a nice perspective from all the different aspects that are going on in the marketplace today. What's going on here is that this is one of the few studies and what makes it unique is that you actually get perspective and behavior. It's not necessarily about what is trending from a plan design standpoint. There's lots of surveys that talk about HSAs and PPOs and POS plans and things of that nature. What this survey really does is gets into the behavior of what employees are doing, why they do it, the perceptions that are going on out there. Because what you'll see in this survey, and I'm sure we'll talk about is really the big delta between what the employer believes is important versus what the employee believes is important. So we do a really good deep dive to understand why are you doing this this way and really the behavior going into the decision-making process for you know benefits and open enrollment and things of that nature. That's really one of the neat parts about all the different data that we've got. To your point, no doubt, very shocking in some regards, yet on the same token, you take a look at that and the stat you were talking about is 41% of these employees spent 15 minutes or less researching the benefit options, which once again, you sit there and think one of your single largest expenditures that you have for an entire year and you spend 15 minutes on it. Where in contrast, right, what do Americans spend more time doing? In terms of researching a mortgage loan, the average American spends five hours. If an American is buying a new car, the average person out there spends 10 hours researching that. Five hours of vacation planning, four hours shopping for a new computer, two hours for a new television, yet for benefits, open enrollment, and your insurance, it's 15 minutes, which once again is a very staggering number. And your survey went on to say 24% 
spent less than five minutes, and that just blows my mind. We just completely changed our national health care system with the Affordable Care Act. And you look at all the millions of Americans that were uninsured or underinsured and this perception of what costs are, where they're going, all these things, and you hear these surveys about Americans, it seems like those surveys may not be worth much because if they're only spending 5, 10, 15 minutes researching it, to have people comment about their health care when they don't even understand it or their health care insurance anyway, boy, it just kind of takes me aback that people have that lack of understanding when it comes to their health insurance. When you look at the history of benefits, you start looking at what employees have done in the past in historical reference. When it comes to benefits, employers and the system is in an overall status, almost done a disservice to the employees educating them. Because for a long time, it was 100% company paid, all benefits. Open enrollment would come and go, and you'd sit in an hour-long open enrollment meeting, you'd fill out whatever forms, you maybe take them home, discuss them with your spouse, and then next thing you know, it's all covered, you didn't have to worry about it. There's a lot of people out there, when you ask Americans, how much did you pay for your doctor visit with the old managed care system, they think, well, I just paid 20 bucks, right? That's all I was charged, not really understanding that the real cost, what the actual mechanics behind the insurance go into. So because they've been on autopilot for so long, the companies have taken such a maternalistic aspect to benefits. Employees now come in, they look at it and they say, this is so much information. I don't really understand how it works. It's not intuitive. All of a sudden I'm thinking, you know what, because I don't know what is going on and it's too much information. I'm just going to default to what I had last year. What the survey goes on to say is that 9 out of 10, 90% of the employees out there choose the same benefits year after year because they just think change is going to end up costing me or maybe it saves me money, but what am I losing in benefit? And most of them really don't want to sit down and go through that versus the television that they buy around the holiday season. There's deals. You have online support tools. You can compare 14 different TVs and the dots per inch and all this and that and the other because that's something that you watch every day and you want to have friends over and it's more exciting than looking at your benefits. And some of them say, "Eh, if something happens, I'll have my coverage, but in the same token, at least I have some coverage. It really comes down to, I think, the overall historical approach that employers have taken to why the employees act that way. So let's dive into it. When it comes to open enrollment, how can consumers prepare? Maybe even before that, let's discuss even what open enrollment is. Open enrollment is the time where a company will offer their benefits to the employees. Open enrollment is the time where employees can make decisions and change benefits, add coverage, delete coverage, add this, change that. This is the one time a year that you really have the ability to make all the changes that you want. If a company is going to offer a new plan or additional benefits or whatever, anything from major medical health insurance, dental, vision, 401k, all the way to some supplemental and voluntary plans like an accident plan or a critical illness plan, hospital plan, all that type of information is provided and you're given a window of time at open enrollment to make those elections. There's ability to get some benefits on a pre-tax basis if the employer allows that and they have a Section 125 plan. All those different types of things go on at open enrollment. What happens is that typically there's an open enrollment season for each company. They all have a plan year. Now what's happened because of ACA or the Affordable Care Act and the incentives that the major medical carriers gave last year to keep their plan the same and to do an early renewal. Typically, a lot of brokers out there have had their book of business scattered throughout the year. So each month, they might have 10, 15, 20 renewals coming in each month. 
Now, what's happened over this last year is that because of all the early renewals, meaning if I was a April renewal, but now I want to do a short plan year and I want to make sure I keep my plan and I was able to avoid some of the new plan changes in the structure design, I would go to a 12-1 so that I could avoid having to make some of the changes and postpone some changes for another year. So now, because all these different companies were incented to basically go to a 12-1, you have about 70-80% of groups enrolling and having open enrollment in the fourth quarter. It's almost becoming kind of like tax season. Accountants are crazy busy for about three, four months. This is really becoming insurance season for a lot of the brokers and the agents out there. So a vast majority of the business is now renewing today, right now as we speak. What's your advice on how a consumer can prepare for that? Number one really is starting to do a little bit of homework on their plans. We are now providing choice, and a lot of employers are now saying, okay, well, you know, we have different strategies we're going to put in play that really we want to empower the employee. So we're going to give you the choice to maybe go to the high deductible plan, maybe have defined contribution, make better decisions about what's right for you and your family. So number one really is do your homework. Take time to really look at how much you spent last year on benefits, how much you're spending on prescriptions, how many times did you go to see a doctor last year to really understand what your spending habits and your utilization might be just from what you did this last year. One of the things that employees should be doing, and there again, whether they do or not, is reviewing the open enrollment guide that their company gives. All the different information is in there. And even if they don't understand it, they at least should be reviewing it to at least go through and mark it up to say, these five things I have questions on. They can always go back and talk to the HR representative at their company. But really, look to the experts. That's the whole point of why you work with an advisor. The whole reason why organizations like ANIFA or ANAHU exist, because these are the professional agents that are there to be able to explain this to you and make some sense of it. So if you go into that meeting and you're talking to your advisor, walk over and say, I've got five of these questions. I really don't know what this means. And don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Ask the person, sit down and talk to the expert that can literally walk you through it and make heads or tails of it. Those are a couple different things that you can do, but really it comes down to having some action and activity about doing your homework because if the amount of money that the employees are going to be spending and the amount of expense that it could be depending on if something happens to you, it's worth sitting down and taking some time, more than 15 minutes, to reading the Benefit Open Enrollment Guide. And a lot of people make the mistake, especially the younger employees, well, I'm never going to get sick, so just get the cheapest plan, and then you find out what your out-of-pocket is when you experience the out-of-pocket, and that can really be an eye-opener if you're not prepared for it. One thing I've always said to people, you can get all this information, but what you really can tap into when going to your professional is the wisdom that they have, because you don't have the experiences that they may have dealt with with their hundreds of clients and client family situations and healthcare situations where they've assisted people working through these issues, and they've got the wisdom of the different mindsets that people had to go through, the financial struggles, all those things, so you can learn from what they've learned from working with their clients. Not only that, but the wisdom of how do you fill in those gaps. Hey, we're going to take a short break and we come back. Let's talk about some of the common mistakes people make when selecting that health insurance plan and what they can do to avoid them. So please stay tuned. Just for a moment, try to imagine you're dead. You think that's hard? Try this. You're dead and you don't have life insurance. What would happen to your family's home, to your family's finances, or your family's future? Now here's a thought to put your mind at ease. Life insurance takes care of things should anything happen to you. Death may be hard to imagine, but without life insurance, it's simply unthinkable. 
Welcome back as we continue to visit with Chad Schneider as we're talking about the AFLAC survey where people are spending sometimes less than 15 minutes when determining their health insurance benefits through their employer. Chad, before the break, we were talking about the survey that AFLAC did, and it was real eye-opener for me. I, I can't believe people are spending such little time understanding their benefits, but being in the business as long as I've been, I can see that because people start reading these documents, and if they're not dealing with them on a daily basis, their eyes glaze over and they just kind of default to what their friends are doing, or maybe they just default to what they've been doing and never really understanding what those options are. So let's talk about what are some of the common mistakes workers do make when enrolling in these plans and what can they do to avoid those? Great question. And I think part of the consumers and the employees out in America can do today is really start to understand the reality of what the situation looks like. If you ask most people, as we talked about during the first half, what is the real cost of, God forbid you get injured or God forbid you get sick and you actually do have to use this insurance, what do you think this might cost you? the survey shows that 69% of the surveyed employees at least agree that they underestimate the total cost of an illness or injury. Most people really don't know the real cost because at the end of the day, it's not just what you pay your doctor. It's out-of-pocket costs. Let's say you're laid up for a couple weeks or longer. Now you've got rent or mortgage. You've got food. You've got gas. You've got bills. And you, you might not be getting a paycheck. So taking a look at some of these realities is really where I think a lot of Americans can start. And there's a lot of different decision support tools, including one that we actually created for this called the Real Cost Calculator. You can actually put in your age, and if what happens to me, you can pick certain major things that happen to you, and it will actually show you, based on national averages, this is the out-of-pocket cost from doctor bills to out-of-pocket expenses to this and that that might be happening to you. So I think that's part of it. And then also take a look at once I realize, and the awareness is there, that there is this much out-of-pocket cost, now we go back and say, okay, let's just say that I have this happen tomorrow. Do I have the money to be able to spend on that? And of course, as you're doing a lot of financial advising, here's some crazy statistics that I found that it really is a reality. About 49% or half of the surveyed consumers say that they have less than $1,000 to pay for unexpected out-of-pocket costs. 27% have less than 500. So if you look at under $1,000 or $500 that you have really over 70% of the Americans out there that don't have savings, now they really have to start thinking about what if that were to happen. And there again, God, God forbid, but let's face it, that's why we buy insurance, right? If we knew and could predict what was happening to us, then we wouldn't need insurance, but that's the whole point to protect you and your family. I think part of it is just really getting a reality check on what is actually happening in the market today. In your survey, you talked about employees paying an average of little over $4,500 a year in premiums, and then they make an average of $750 ends up getting wasted with mistakes in picking or choosing their insurance benefits. Correct. You see those dollars, and I look at, again, I can't get through my head that some of these people, 24% spent less than five minutes. Just the other day, I was in the grocery store, and I spent more than five minutes waiting for the gallon front of me to go through the coupons of what she was buying to <laughs> right. save something like $18. And she not only took her five minutes, I can't imagine what she took to clip all those coupons, but then it took me five minutes and everybody behind me in line. And you right. add that all up, there's a lot of time spent for that 18 bucks, and yet people won't take the time to understand their benefits. Let's talk about 
how do these mistakes cost them money? And then what are some of the tips that you would have that would be available that might help them from avoiding these mistakes or other things that they should consider or look at? Sure. What it comes down to is why is it costing them money? Where do we get the $750 as part of the survey? Like we've said multiple times, people are on autopilot. So as soon as open enrollment comes out or information, they just say, you know what, I'm just going to check the box and say I want to keep what I have. Versus the fact that there's a lot of time, energy, and money spent with employers and their benefit advisors to be able to craft a new plan. So maybe last year everybody had to go to an HMO plan or there was a PPO plan that everybody had. Well, maybe this year they're offering a health savings account with a higher deductible option and now it's less premium. So that millennial, right, that we talked about that thinks they're invincible, who's 22, they might say, I'm just going to stick with my old plan because that's what I had last year versus taking a look at the fact that I haven't been to a doctor in over a year. I haven't even had anything wrong with me. So now maybe I should go to the HSA. But they look at the deductible and they get so scared about the fact that they have a deductible that they just say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and stick with this other plan that they really are not needing as much because their utilization is not as high. When you start to take a look at all those different decisions, you could go path B or path C, but we stick with A because that's what we know. And let's face it, the unknown is scary, right? And that's really what it comes down to. That's where we start taking some of these numbers on premium savings alone. Had I gone option B, I would have saved approximately $750. And of course, it's going to vary based on individual versus family coverage and so on and so forth, but approximately $750. Now, if you take that $750 and then you go back to the stat we just talked about where most people have under $1,000 to pay for out-of-pocket costs, well, that could certainly more than double that if you look at the $500 to $1,000 number to be able to provide them more money and more savings to have a better plan that fits their needs. So that's where some of that comes in. And once again, like we talked about, how can they prepare for that? Part of it is just reading the booklet, doing their homework, and then sitting down with the financial advisor at this open enrollment period to be able to say, what does this actually mean to me? I'm a millennial. I'm 33 years old. I've been in the business since I was 21. And I'm not afraid to ask questions even before I got in the insurance industry. I remember sitting down with my broker saying, I'm 21. What do I actually need? I don't even know what I need, right? So part of the awareness is just saying, I'm not sure what I'm not sure about. So can you sit down as my trusted advisor who's been in the business for a long time and, and map this out for me? That's probably the most sage advice you can get because there are a lot of these folks out there and they make themselves available during open enrollment. But some people just say, yeah, I'm just going to check the box and not worry about it. I got to just share a real life example. I had a client in last week and they had a health savings account through their, I think it might have been a flex savings account. They have to decide in the beginning of the year how much money they were going to be putting away for non-reimbursed medical expenses. Now, for those of you that aren't aware, if you have a plan like that that's tax qualified, you can put money in, you get a full deduction, and then you have to take it out before the end of the year tax-free. So whatever you pay for medical bills, and especially this year, for those of you that itemize, it used to be 7.5% of your adjusted gross income. Anything above that for medical bills could be deductible. Well, this year it goes up to 10. So a lot less people are going to be able to itemize. I was visiting with this couple and they defaulted to what they were taking out of their paychecks the year before and they had some scheduled dental work. They knew there was going to be some dental work being done 
Well, they could have checked with their dentist to get some estimates of what it would cost. But like most people, you just go get the service and wait for the bill to come to decide what it's going to cost. They had over $3,000 of dental bills. Now, by just adjusting their paycheck to account for that, if they would have put $3,000 into this health savings account per se, they were in a 15% bracket. They had about 5% on the state. That's 20% that they could have deducted on their taxes. There's not enough medical expense for them to take an itemized deduction. So now they paid $3,000 with after-tax dollars. They could have had net savings of 600 bucks. So that already, just a little bit of planning, they're real close to your survey average of $750 of mistakes. And that's something that was real simple. And as I went through it, they're like, geez, we should have talked to you last year. Well, right. that's why I keep asking them to come in. Let's review where you're at. Let's see where these opportunities are. So I guess the moral of the story is take a little bit of time when you're talking big dollars like you are with health insurance, getting things pre-tax versus after-tax, making sure you understand the out-of-pocket, especially if you only have $1,000 in your savings account. There are a lot of options. I know the company that you work with provides solutions. There's a lot of different solutions by a lot of different providers that can help fill in the gaps. You might have benefits or options through your employer's plan. There's just a lot of options. Make sure you get the advice. I want to thank you for joining us today, Chad. It's been an awesome discussion, and I thank you for sharing the survey that your company did. It was an eye-opener for me, and as I sat back and thought about it and all the clients that I've counseled on it, usually I'm the one asking them to bring in their benefit book. Let's confirm what benefits you have. With all the change that's happening, you really want to make sure you are laser-focused on your understanding of how these plans are going to work, and more importantly, how they're going to work if you need them. Again, take advantage of working with a professional. They've got a lot of wisdom to share with you. Thanks again for joining us today, Chad. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for joining us this week. And tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your real wealth advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, Just click the forward to a friend button.